How you all doing this morning? Hallelujah. God is good. I'm wearing this ring this morning. Um, it's my dad's. It's my inheritance. Because I'm a son. I may make some statements this morning that you may not agree with or don't understand. Just ask God to make it clear for you. Um, as we were worshiping, the Lord reminded me to say, said to me, I want you to remind them of what happened to me when I came out of the waters of baptism. What happened to Jesus when he came out of the waters of baptism? The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and the heavens were open, and God spoke. And I think he wants to remind us this morning of what the Father had to say. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to hear him. I want you to hear him. The other thing that I'm reminded of is that in the language of the Greek, uh, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, it says like a dove, but in the language, it says that he imposed himself upon him. In other words, uh, Jesus was there and the Holy Spirit imposed himself on him. And when he imposed himself on him, he imposed the power and the will of God. And it says that he was led or driven into the wilderness which means the Holy Spirit took him along with him into the wilderness because God had a purpose for him to be there under the power. Um, another verse that I was reminded of, which was not in my sermon notes, God messes up my sermon notes. Um, and this verse in John 17 and in John chapter 20 he repeats it he, in chapter 20. He says, I'll say this to you again. Um, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And the word as there means in the same manner, in the same way, with the same purpose, with the same potential, the same power, and the same authority. You see, he was a son. Amen? He was the son of God. And he said in John 20, he says, I'm going to say this again to you. And he repeats that phrase to them. Because I believe he wanted them to grasp the significance of their sending. He wanted them to grasp the completeness of what 
the sending out of them would look like and be like. And it's amazing because it's after all, almost all the time of the three and a half years that he spent with them that he actually says these words to them. And he also talked about um, the sending of the Holy Spirit and how important it was for them to actually be endued with power from on high before they ventured out into what the Father had for them. <clears throat> and I believe it's significant to us what is said. And so here he is, he comes up out of the waters, and he illustrates the Spirit-led life by first being empowered by the Spirit of God, by first being imposed upon by the Spirit of God. Did you ever try to impose yourself on somebody? To impose yourself on somebody, somebody means you're going to take total control of their life, is what it really means. So the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, was to take over the disciples' lives and cause them and enable them to be what God called them to be. Nothing less and nothing more. <clears throat> and so here is a world set with a whole religious system one of the most powerful religious systems in the world, they had the power to put people to death. They had the power to actually give you life or death. They had the power to sentence Jesus to death. And Jesus comes into this world in that setting where everything was just dark, according to John chapter 1. And I'll get to that in a moment. <clears throat> but I'm trying to set the scene for you. Uh, he came into a world that he created, and it didn't know him. He came into a darkness as a light. He came unto his own, and they rejected him. It seemed as though nothing went right. And yet everything went right. Everything is always right when God has his way. That's a tweet. Everything is always right when God has his way. Always. It is never, ever wrong. And... We live in a dark world that does not comprehend. Do you ever notice that if you share the gospel with somebody, they don't comprehend? The world does not comprehend. It didn't comprehend when he came, and it still doesn't comprehend. The world doesn't know him just like it didn't know him back then. And in fact, those who wouldn't receive them, still don't receive them today. 
So it comes to this kind of thoughts in my mind. <clears throat> what are we building our life expectations on? What are we building our life expectations with? And who is building it? Because Jesus says, I'll build my church. Who's building your life? And what would the construction of your life really look like? Let me give you a scripture verse. We are being conformed into his image and his likeness. And that is just not salvation. That is just not, well, in character, although it includes all those. It also includes what he did, what he could do. And I'll, I'll read you some scripture verse that actually puts us into a position that he, he sees us in. Because God has his expectations declared in his visionary word called the Bible. And this Bible is under attack in Christianity and out of Christianity. And I've said this before and I'll say it again this morning. What God sees is what he says and what he says is what he sees. When you build your life on what God said... You build your life on what he sees. <clears throat> In Galatians chapter 3 verse 8, I want to read you this verse. It says, and the scriptures foreseeing that God... The scriptures, the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. All the nations will be blessed in you. And when you look back at God, when you go back into Genesis and read God's account with Abraham, and we understand some verses there, there's chapters there, but it was never ever written until Moses was inspired by God to write it, which was many, many, many years later. Moses brings Abraham into the context of life by the inspiration of God and the words of the Father. Paul now is doing exactly the same thing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is now bringing the life of Abraham into the New Testament covenant. And the inspiration followed through hundreds of, 
thousands of years. God does not forget what he's going to say. He foresees what he said. And he said what he foresees. That's where I get the idea that he says what he sees and sees what he says. So when God says something about his church, he sees you in light of what he said. And he said what he said is what he sees, and, that what he, and that's what he sees in you. Are you with me? I really don't know what to call this message. So Jesus demonstrates through his baptism in obedience that all righteousness would be fulfilled, he said. And the heavens open up and God speaks and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then he said, you know what? You're going to receive power. Just like I did. Because as the Father sent me, so send I you. You will receive an anointing just like I did. He is going to impose himself on you. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit didn't come and ask him if it was okay. They were by faith expecting what Jesus said would actually happen. He says, you know what? This is what's going to happen. Just wait for it. And guess what? It happened. They didn't make it happen. What they did is they believed it would happen. And there's a difference. We try to make things happen. We have to believe that things will happen. Because by faith we walk. Amen? Are you with me? Or am I just talking for nothing? I think it's so important for us to grasp the dimensions and the magnitude of the kingdom of God that is there for us. And I know I can't articulate it all this morning, but I want to give you a few things. Because I believe God is calling forth a church to be the church that he designed us to be. And to be the people who are endued with power from on high and expect to do what he did. Pastor David, I feel God wants to endue your ministry. I want you to come stand right here. Um, the crucible you are in today is only an open door to a greater anointing and the fulfillment of what God has put in your heart. It's a crucible of refining. It's a crucible of zeroing in on the very things that God has put in your heart. And I saw... The Holy Spirit coming on your home in a greater dimension 
than you have ever known. And we just want to stand here and receive that with you as a church. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the vision that you put in Pastor David's heart. We thank you, Father, that he has a vision of cancer-free zone. He said this before they even got attacked. God put that in your heart, and he's not going to let it fail. And he's demonstrating to you right now his divine ability and power in your own family. The same with you, Daniel, in your own family. There is a dimension of anointing coming that's going to cause illness to leave when we say so. And we receive that. We are not here as mere begging Christians. We are here to walk as sons of God in the authority that he has given us. Thank you, David. We aren't here as mere paupers trying to survive. We are here to make things happen. We are here to cause the Holy Spirit to lead us. The evidence of sonship is this. Romans chapter 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Tell me, how many of you are sons here? Oh, some females put their hands up. Well, sonship is not a gender. Sonship who is who God made you to be. It is a position. It is a position of authority. And I'm going to read you the scripture verse. You have been set in a position of authority to walk on this earth as the Father has sent His Son, so the, send, the Son is sending you in the same authority. Amen. With the same dimensions, with the same anointing, with the same power. Hallelujah. I believe that the disciples heard these words and they said, you know what, that's for me. And I believe it. And I think some of us need to start confessing that. Some Christians are just absolute wimps. They are. Every little thing that happens, they're weepy, 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 cry, cry, baby. Well, there's a place to cry. You cry when others are crying. Other than that, stop crying. I think the woe is me is over with. It's time for us to stand up as sons of God. Because that's who we really are. Joint heirs. Here is God's view. Of your position. Here is God's view of how He sees you. John 1 12. As many as received Him, 
To them gave he authority to be sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe? Then you are a son. And he has given you authority to be the son. What was in him? Well, John 1, 5 says, in him was, 1, 4 says, in him was life. What's in you? What's in you? Divine life. Just like he had. We have life to offer. We have life to give. We have life to live. And the light shines in darkness. What did Jesus say? He says, you are the light of the world. We're just like him. Our light shines in darkness. And guess what? And darkness does not get it. Darkness doesn't comprehend it. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. And the world didn't know him. The world don't know us. The world doesn't comprehend the light we carry. As many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. What that means is this. If you're led by the Spirit, you will walk in your sonship. I think that's why the Holy Spirit is so attacked in theology and the church philosophy and Pentecost is no more and all that garbage that goes on. Somehow we just know better than God. Does your light shine in darkness? Do people get it? No? But it does not nullify the truth. The truth is, you have life in you. The truth is, you are the light of the world. Who said that? Jesus did. Who was he comparing himself to? Who was he comparing them to? He was comparing them to him. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, now you're the light of the world. Well, that's a fact. Whether the world sees it or not, it's not the issue. The issue is, truth says you are. And light does shine in darkness. Does it?
He foresaw, the scriptures foresee. When you read this Bible, do you allow what it sees to be part of your life? Because it sees your future. It is your future. This is the word that sees. Do you know why? Because the one who sees spoke it. And what he saw is what he said, and what he said is what he saw. He said, if you've received him, I gave you authority. God doesn't see you as a wimp. God does not see you as a wimp. God doesn't see you as defeated. God doesn't see you as a beggar. He sees you as people of authority. If you've received Christ, you have been given authority to be a son. Of God. To be the son of the one who foresees everything and has spoken it all into existence. What we have to do is by faith walk in it and see it happen. I was driving home yesterday in my motorhome from Harrison. And I got home and I said to Louise, you know, I... The Holy Spirit must really be aware of Sunday. She said, why? I said, well, all week I've been searching to see what he wanted to say, and now he comes to me on Saturday evening and talks to me. I said, he must be aware of the Sabbath. He must be aware of today. Because I'm saying, well, what do you want to say? What, what would you want to say today? I never come up here without going through that. And every time, he always leaves it till Saturday night. And I've come to the conclusion because he doesn't want me to screw it up. But I think we live so far below who we really are. And it's not to be arrogant and proud, but it's to be a son. whom the Father is well pleased and is willing and wanting us to walk in our inheritance. This, nobody took this. There's eight siblings and nobody took this ring. Except me. It was left there. I gave everybody first choice. I was the executor of the city. I gave everybody first. Nobody took this ring. This is my dad's wedding ring. Can't wear it too long because I can't wear rings. They somehow make my finger hurt, even though they're loose. Anyway, the scripture is the word of God because it was articulated by him in permanent, everlasting form 
through inspiration. That's our assurity and guarantee that what it says actually will happen. Because this book was inspired with life. These words have life in them. And that's the difference between this book and every other book in the world. The verse says, the scriptures and God are identified as seeing from a divine perspective. What he said is what he saw. What did he see when he said, as many as received them to them gave he authority? What does he see? He sees authority in you. Whoever receives them receives the authority. To be a son. There are some things that we hope for that take a long time. Honey, come here for a minute. It takes a long time. Some things take a long time. And I would just like her to articulate a little bit this morning about our adopted daughter. And uh, I don't know how many years... I don't know how many years we have labored in prayer. Go ahead. She told me I ought to share. And I thought to myself, no, no, you have more details than I do. Just don't include the kitchen sink and the laundry, okay? Just. Um, years and years ago, the Lord gave me a, a poem, a long poem, so I can't relate it, but it was the story in the poem of a mother and father and, and um, this little boy who had gone to the zoo. And when they got to the lion's cage, the lion grabbed the little kid, pulled him in, and started gnawing and, and started mauling him. And the mother went up, and she was so angry. They called the zookeeper and so on and so forth. It goes, and she was so angry, she said, I didn't spend all my life raising this child for you to come along and eat it. And she got angry, and she reached right through the bars, and she got her, her little kid back away from the, the lion. And that was a verse, or not a verse, but a, a poem that the Lord gave me regarding Michelle. And as a lot of you already know, we've spent years and years uh, with her uh, in uh, being bipolar, and going into drugs and alcohol and the whole scene in, in downtown Vancouver, which is why Brenda and Daniel have four extra children in their family. <laughs> and uh, anyways, I um, hadn't heard from her for a couple of months, and I thought, well, you knew she was alive, because that was always the big thing. Is she alive or isn't she? And But this phone number from the United Church in downtown Vancouver kept showing up, and I kept missing my phone. So finally, uh, two weeks ago, she did get a hold of us, and she said, you know, um, uh, next week I'm going to go into BC Housing. They've got a place for me. And I have heard this before, and it never happened. And so she says they um, are going to, to move me in on Wednesday, and... 
there's a social worker that's going to come and go to the second-hand store with me and, and get things for me. The, the place where she's got has her own bathroom. It has a stove, a fridge, table, chairs, and a bed with all new bedding. And I thought, praise God, somebody is caring for her. Somebody is looking out. Some social worker has taken hold of this. And she says, and then besides, uh, on Monday, which is tomorrow, they, they're giving me a voucher, and they're going with me and taking me grocery shopping so I can have food. And the place where she lives provides two meals a day. So there is the basic, is there, you don't starve. And, and she's just been absolutely so delighted. So I said, well, in this place where you're staying, is it just all women? And she said, oh, no. She says, it's men and women. I said, well, then you better be very, very careful. You really need to be careful of what you do there and who you make friends with. And she says, oh, well, she said, you don't... Um, Oh, I said, because uh, when you go through your ups and downs and your highs and your lows, that's when you get into trouble. And she said, oh, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I don't have that anymore. I said, well, what happened? And she says, every two weeks now, they're giving me a needle. So she's on the medication that she refused to take for years. Back about the time that Kenesha was a baby, back in those days, they had tried the medication, and it was so unregulated that she would be a zombie and she would just walk stiff like this and her, you know, nothing made sense. She garbled her speech and everything. Right now, when talking to her on the phone, she's back like what we had when she was 16 or 17. And I really want to praise God for that. And, uh, even <laughs> and also to gain your support and your prayers, if you happen to think of her, that you just pray and that she will continue to take the medication because that medication is what balances her. And, uh, and that's all. Wow. Thank you, dear. This has been like 40 years. You don't give up. Give up is not in my vocabulary, even though I say it. Amen. We have to come to the conclusion God is the one who rules over everything. And we walk in our authority. And as we walk on his, in our authority, he supports it. And he makes it happen. Amen. We don't walk in an authority that is our own. We don't walk in that which we can manufacture. We walk in His authority. We walk in that which He has given us. You didn't earn your authority. All you did was receive Him. And the whole thing was opened up to you. And there are times when we wondered whether God was even aware of her be honest with you. And I know it's easy to preach once things, you get some victory. Hmm. When you declare the word, what are you actually doing? Now, there are people who really hate that phrase, declaring the word over your life. 
We've, we've been attacked about that. What do you mean declaring the word? Well, have you got anything better to declare? <laughs> oh, these are Christians. They think you're some kook. What did Abraham do? He lived in what God said. He would, let, he would let no doubt enter into his mind that he would be the father of many nations. Now, if that isn't an impossibility for man to face and still stay in faith, there's one for you. And, and I'm amazed at, at the attacks that people come under because they confess the word. Oh, yeah, you're just one of those blabbit and grabbit guys. You know what? I'd rather be a blabbit and grabbit than get nothing. Well, that's just that word faith stuff. Really? Stop giving the credit to the word faith movement and give some credit to God. He asks us to confess his word. And it gets kind of sickening after a while. Every time you try to wander off into truth, somebody's going to nail you. Well, you know what? It doesn't, I don't care anymore. I'm not interested in this movement and that movement. It's sort of like Paul said to the Corinthian church, you know what? You're just carnal. Because some of you say, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of this. Well, and I'm of Jesus. <laughs> he says, you're carnal. To be movement-orientated is to be carnal. To be man-orientated is carnality. You have to be divine-orientated, and what he said is what really is true, and not what people criticize you for. So, saying that, I'm going to say this. <laughs> what you declare, when you declare the word... What are you actually doing? You are speaking as a son what God sees. Because what he sees is what he said. We just read that in Galatians. The scriptures foreseeing. Oh, well, who spoke the scriptures? The Father did through the Holy Spirit. So the Father speaks from heaven what he sees. And the scriptures become the foreseeing word. Number one, you are speaking as a son what God sees. The word that spoke to Abraham was put into writing by Moses at much later time. But it was spoken many, many years before. Inspiration never dies. Inspiration never dies. That's why this book continues to live on. And some people want to deny its inspiration. God speaks the same word to Moses that he spoke to Abraham. Oh, so he repeated himself. The foresight is found in the scripture because the writer who used Moses spoke with that foresight when he spoke to Abraham. 
Let me just put that in a different way. When he spoke to Abraham, God had foresight. He saw. And when he spoke to Moses about it, he still had the same foresight. Why did he bring Abraham up in Galatians? Because he sees something in Abraham that we're supposed to pay attention to. Through the Holy Spirit, Paul speaks of Abraham. Now, the Father's bringing Abraham up again in the New Covenant. There must be something about Abraham that God wants us to believe. Because he keeps mentioning him. Amen? I mean, sometimes we're kind of slow to get it. That was, that was uh, number 1A. <laughs> number 1B. You are speaking as son, as a son, God's reality into your situation. You are speaking as a son, God's reality into your situation. That's what happens when you proclaim or confess the word. You're actually bringing it into the situation. And when you bring it into the situation, God has already saw what that word's going to do. And that's what we need to expect. Father, what you see is what I expect. Because that's what you said. And I see what you see. Do you? Do you see yourself as a son of authority? Because he sees it that way. Hallelujah. Number one, see... As a son, you're coming into unity with the Father and His Word concerning your life. Number two, that in declaring your sonship, you come into the reality of being a joint heir with Christ. Because He's a son. And so are you. That makes you an heir of God. There's a difference here now. Just pay attention. There's a, you are an heir of God. And you are joint heirs with Christ. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That somehow the inspiration... Listen to this. And if, you're, you be in, if, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wow. There's Abraham again. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Romans chapters 8 verse 17. And if children then heirs and heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. 
Do you see yourself as a joint heir with Christ? In the Father's vision, we are joint heirs with Christ. He has purchased our inheritance. He inherited all that the Father has. Because you know why? Because he's the firstborn. And the firstborn always received the inheritance. And the rest of the family enjoyed it. They become joint heirs. So we are joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, the Greek word there means to receive the portion that was due you. Joint heirs is to receive the portion that everybody else gets. So we're joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that he made available is our inheritance. And the Father gave him the portion, and we become the inheritors. Because you are a son. I hope and I pray that you won't leave here today and forget that you're a son. Turn to somebody and say, I won't forget I'm a son. And if I do, remind me. Oh, gee. If I follow the inspiration, we'll be here till tomorrow. In sonship, you are coming into unity as one in Christ that has purchased your inheritance, makes you an heir of life and the assignment that is left for you. I'll say that again. You are coming into unity as one in Christ that has purchased your inheritance and makes you an heir of life and the assignment he left for you. And as the Father sent him, so sends he you. That's your inheritance. Do you want to find out what that all is? Read the Gospels. You see... Jesus makes a declaration in John chapter 1. As many as received him, to them gave he authority to be the sons. And in Romans, we have an interpretation, an application, and as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit are walking in their sonship. And you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And he's going to lead you. And if he leads you, you're walking in your sonship. Whew. I can't believe God gave me all this this morning. Blows my mind. Romans 8, 17. And children, then heirs. Here's interpretation and application. You see, Jesus makes a statement in the Gospels that is actually the foundation that we stand on. 
And then we have the epistles that give us interpretation and application. And here's what Galatians says. Paul says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Why? Because in him is life. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. <laughs> Man, I tell you, if the Son lives in you, you are in sonship. If the Son lives in you, you have in you the Son who rules over everything and has given you authority to walk in His name and achieve His purpose and His assignment for your life. Wow. Sons are seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus says that where I am, you may be also. Now we have interpretation and application in the, in the, in the epistles. If you then be risen in Christ... Seek those things which are above. Where you're seated. What's there? No sickness. What's there? No sorrow. What's there? Complete health. What's there? You name it. And then claim it. <laughs> Amen. I mean, talk about supernatural. We live in a kingdom <laughs> that can be, cannot be defeated, nor put down, nor come to an end, nor stopped, because the king is on the throne. And his sons are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus.